Let me open the sermon today by sharing something uh, personal to all of you. Um, you know, when I was, uh, I was, uh, my first year in college, I was 17. Um, I left home, moved to another city, and started college there. You know, in the Philippines, you graduate in high school at 16 or 17. And so college, you're very young for college, I think, at <laughs> 17. And uh, what happened to me is I ended up having a relationship with someone that was not God-honoring. <laughs> it was not God-pleasing. No details. <laughs> you know, in that relationship, I could probably not finish college. And I, could, I would probably not be able to see you now today. I will not be here today <laughs> if that relationship continued. And, and there was guilt. I feel, feel guilty about that relationship with that person. And, and so halfway through the semester, after six months in college, I decided to move to a, one, that was one reason, among many other reasons, I decided to move to another, another place where I need, instead of living in that kind of dormitory, I moved to a different place and moved, lived with my, with my uncle. And my uncle's house was like, I don't know in miles, but around, I think, more than 10 kilometers or maybe 20, 15 kilometers away. It's far from my school. Before, I was just close to my school. Now, I'm quite far from my school. Um, it was not a very, it was a good situation. But the reason why I moved away is not because I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, uh, not to keep her from seeing me, <laughs> but to keep me from seeing her. <laughs> it's to prevent me from seeing this person. And, and I praise God for that decision because I would have regret what would happen eventually if that relationship continued or went, became something more. And I was able to finish college. That's good. <laughs> and God has blessed me with a church that where I began to grow and mature as a Christian. So, so the decision to end that relationship, move farther away, it was a blessing. It was a blessing. So, the message today is that there are things in our life, choices we make, things we do that can bring blessing, can bring, bring good to your life. But the truth is there are things in your life that are going to bring a curse into your life. And they're going to bring regrets. Not just regrets in this life, but even regrets in eternity. You don't want that. You don't want regrets. Part two of my message, uh, citizens of God's kingdom. And I want to say this in the onset. That citizens of God's kingdom pursues what brings eternal reward. Pursues what, it, what brings eternal blessing. Citizens of God's kingdom flees from what brings regret. Amen? Now keep, let's keep this in mind. You know, this passage, 
mirrors what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 19 to 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Our passage today, which Brother Rennell just read, Revelation 14, verse 6 to 13, and I'm going to encourage you to open your Bibles there because uh, we're going to go back to that passage over and over. And we're going to show also the passage on screen later on, but we're going to refer to that passage because the message is going to be based on this passage. And, and we're going to go through this verse by verse. And I pray at the end of this message, I'm, we're going to go to an, a simple, basic application. Hopefully, my prayer is that it will speak to our graduates today. Who am I? Where are our graduates today? Sean? Phoebe? Josh? Jimmy? Amen. Praise God. Yes. Okay. Ho hopefully, this will speak to you guys. But it's going to be a, a heart message and... And uh, uh, I'm going to speak really the truth. I'm going to try to speak from, with all my heart and the truth, of course. So, yes. <laughs> um, are you there in Revelation? So, so in, this, in this passage in Revelation 14, we, find, we see two kinds of people here. One group of people, they align themselves with Antichrist to the beast. Another group aligned themselves to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we, we talk about the Antichrist for weeks now, so you now have more understanding of, of this man. This is a human being, uh, and he is going to be a world leader during the tribulation. You know, the Antichrist, as described in Second Thessalonians, he is the man of so we can say that this guy, this Antichrist, he is unrestrained, unbridled, walang pigil when it comes to sin. He, he has unrestrained rage. He, he has unrestrained immorality. You know, even the most evil people in the world, think of Hitler, think of uh, King Herod. They are merely evil babies compared to the Antichrist. Just think about that. Hitler, just a baby compared to this Antichrist who's going to be around during the tribulation. And the Antichrist is the embodiment of the thinking of this world. We, we sometimes think that, you know, the thinking of this world is just us. It's just human ideas. The patterns of this world, you know, the ideas you get from all corners of the world. Of the world especially those that are against the will of God. We sometimes think that this is just human idea, but the thing is, this has, the Antichrist and of course Satan has some influence to the thinking of this world. For instance, the hatred for God, craving for earthly pleasures. That's why John said these words in his letter, the spirit of Antichrist is already in the world today. So, so even though the person of the Antichrist hasn't come to the world yet, he's going to arrive right before they probably, he's going to be revealed right before the tribulation. His spirit, meaning his thinking, the, the, the philosophies that he stands on is already in this world today. 
happen in this world. And so those who align with the Antichrist, as we read in Revelation 13 and Revelation 14, which we just read earlier, they will take the mark of the beast. They're, they're going to take the mark of, the anti, of this, of this uh, leader. You know, mark on their forehead, mark on the back of their hands probably. And the thing is, people of this world who's going to align with the Antichrist, what's going to happen is they're going to have some benefits. They're going to have some benefits. They will have what they desire in this life. They will have money. They will have possessions. They will have pleasure. Just remember, this world leader, this Antichrist, is going to make what used to be sinful. He's going to turn it into something that looks good. He's going to justify sin. And he's going to make what's sinful acceptable to the world. And saying, it's not really sin. It's just lifestyle. It's not really sin. It's just your feeling. It's happening today, right? Your gender is just feelings. If I feel like I'm a man, I'm a man. If I feel like, maybe one day I'm going to say, church, I feel like I'm a dog. I always felt like a dog. Rella knows this. Sometimes. And so, that's really, back there, you know, that's not, that's not right. It's not right at all. Sorry, my, my this is the problem with the iPad. Lock up, locks up. And so they will have all this. People of the world who, who aligns with the Antichrist, gonna gain, they're going to gain recognition, power, and even protection from the judgment that God brings into the world. They are the kind of people whose purpose in life, whose mission in life is to merely lay treasures, as Jesus said in his words in Matthew 6, to lay treasures on earth. Meaning everything that they long for, their goals, their ambitions is only limited to earthly ambitions and goals. It's all just centered on earth. Nothing beyond. Nothing beyond. They don't believe in the next life, of course. But their earthly comforts, the people who aligns with Antichrist, their earthly comforts will be short-lived. It's just going to be short. Because eventually, God is going to bring judgment upon this leader and everyone who follows him. God is going to bring his judgment. Everyone who takes the mark of the beast, the mark of the Antichrist, are people who consciously, with their, uh, you know, with their own decision, their decision, no one is forcing them. Every person, you know, it's really, in the end, a personal decision they made to take the mark of the beast, to follow Satan, to follow Antichrist. You know, there, there might be some level of pressure, but eventually people will decide and the people who will align with the Antichrist, this is what the Bible says. This is what's going to happen. Okay. In Revelation 21.8, this is the consequence of those who align with this, uh, the second person of, the, of, of Satan's trinity. As here. But the murderers, are the, but as for the cowardly, the fatherless, a uh, faithless, sorry. Cannot read very well. As for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for the murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the 
second death. So it talks about the eternal death in the lake of fire, which what we, what we normally call hell. This is where the Antichrist himself is going to go. This is where everyone who rejects Christ is going to go. Now, imagine that situation there. People who are there, I cannot imagine all the regrets they're going to feel when they're in this place. The sorrow they're going to experience. And they're going to be in this situation. The Bible says they're going to be in this situation for all eternity. I can't imagine how those people there feel. And in fact, I think it will be more difficult for those who are going to church. Who probably grew up in church and still reject Christ. And they end up in this place eventually. It's going to be very difficult for those people because they were like very close. They were in church. They heard the gospel. They know the Bible. They know the truth. And they are in this place. It's going to be very hard. Hard for them. However, for you, I hope this is all of you. For you who align with Christ, you don't have the mark of the beast, but you have the mark of the Holy Spirit. You might not experience the comfort, especially in the, during the tribulation. You might not experience the comfort this world offers. You might not experience the pleasures this world offers. Remember, during the time, Revelation 13, we studied this. Followers of Christ will not be able to buy and sell. You cannot conduct business anymore. You cannot go to Walmart and buy your stuff. You cannot go to H-E-B anymore and buy your food. How are we going to survive during the time? And so life is going to be hard for us. We might end up living somewhere, all of us together. <laughs> Maybe we become more like the Amish or something. To just to support our, you know, our survival. That might happen. Because we cannot, you know, conduct business Outside of our, among us, outside of us, because it's going to be controlled by the Antichrist. And, and you will be ridiculed during the time of the tribulation. Believers will be ridiculed, persecuted, hunted, and even lives threatened, eventually killed by the army of this, of this leader. But you know what Jesus said at the end of that passage that Renel just said, just read, we're going to go back to that. Christ commands them to patiently endure. Patiently endure. But this is where the blessing comes in. For those patiently endure, for every believer in Christ, Bible says, eternal rewards await them. Eternal rewards await them. They will stand in the presence of God before God's very throne. You'll be right in the presence of God. Remember Revelation chapter 6 where when Jesus opened the fifth seal? All those people who are martyred during the tribulation, they're going to stand, they're standing before God's very presence in front of all the angels, in front of the, of the elders and the four living creatures. They're all there right before God. That's amazing. And, and we'll be there also with them. Of course, if you're not, you have, if you have died as a martyr, then maybe you're somewhere else there, but you're there. <laughs> but those who are right there are the, those who died as martyrs. And you experience the fullness of Love, blessing, goodness, every good thing that comes from God will be yours. Such an amazing sight, amazing experience, and a great contrast between what 
those people who are in this place versus those who are in the very presence of God. So let's look at the passage and walk through the passage um, in the next several minutes. Okay. First thing about this passage in Revelation uh, 14, starting at verse 6. The gospel is proclaimed. So let's go over the passage. I'll just probably read this. Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on earth, every nation and tribe and language and people. Verse 7. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. That is talking of God who created all things. Heaven, earth, waters, underneath, everything created by God. So this first section of, this, of our passage today talks about an, an angel, the first angel. And this angel is proclaiming the gospel in verse 6. Or, or he is, what does it say there? Was holding on to the gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on the earth. So what we can tell from this passage, in this first section of this passage, is that the gospel continues to be preached even during the tribulation. While the gospel message is the same, the message during the tribulation until today and even since the beginning of Christianity never changes. Amen? It never changes. Jesus is the Christ. He was crucified for our sins. He died, was buried for three days. Rose again. Gospel, according to First, according to first Corinthians 15, uh, verse 4. And, and so, gospel message is the same. But what's different, what's, what's different is that there will be something else that is emphasized in relation to repentance. Now, the emphasis of repentance, what people need to repent of, is different. Uh, I don't have a note for that. But let me, let me just give you a list, for instance, uh, just as an example. During the time of the Apostle Paul, among the Jews, the emphasis was repentance from self-righteousness that comes from Jewish, their Jewish heritage to righteousness in Christ. That's according, you can read that in Romans 3. So they need to repent from their self-righteousness because of their, being, of their Jewish heritage and and into righteousness in Christ. During the Reformation, that was 500 years ago, the reformers like Martin Luther emphasized repentance from faith in dead works, uh, dead rituals, and dead religion to faith in Christ. So instead of having faith in your religion, which is what, was, what the reformers were against during the time, you now have faith in Christ. And that's what they need to repent, change their mind, change their thinking. This is now what I believe, faith in Christ rather faith in religion. Today, I believe one of the biggest repentance, repentance that we need to do right now is repentance from trusting the opinions and the reasonings of this world to trusting the testimony of Christ. Because today, a lot of people agree with the opinions of the world, of people who are not believers. But remember, based on this, what we know in Revelation 14, the opinions and ideas of this world, it's short-lived. It's not going to last forever. It's going to end in their graves. 
even if you know physics, whatever, six you want, <laughs> or ology you want, <laughs> whatever, you know, body of knowledge, it's going to end in your grave. Because the Bible clearly tells us what lasts forever, what lasts for eternity. Heaven and earth will fade. What did, what did, what does the Bible say? But my word remains. Amen? It is the word of God that will last for all eternity. And so, don't fear. The world, you know, the world is very proud of its knowledge. It's just going to end six feet under the ground. So, don't worry about them. Don't worry too much about the knowledge things of the world. In the future, what we're gonna, people are going to repent from is to repent from worship, worshiping the beast into worshiping Jesus Christ. That's going to be the struggle during the time. Repentance from worshiping the Antichrist to worshiping Christ. Jesus Christ. So the angel's message in this passage uh, is this. Yes, verse 6. So look, look at what the angel says here. He says with a loud voice, Fear God, give him glory, because the hour of judgment has come. He is calling out people to turn away from glorifying the beast into glorifying Jesus Christ. To turn away from fearing the beast into fearing God. You know, there's a lot of reason why the world fears the Antichrist. He is in control of the economy during the time. People are not able to buy or sell if they're not aligned with Antichrist. So there's that's one reason they fear people is going to fear the Antichrist. But another thing is the Antichrist is going to be control. He's going to be in control of the armies of the world. And this man is going to determine who's going to be protected and who's going to be destroyed. There's a lot of reason for people to fear him because he's going to destroy you if you're not on his side. If you are on the side of Christ, he's going to destroy you. But the angel says here towards the end, he encourages us not to fear him, but fear God. Not to glorify the Antichrist, but glorify God. Why? Because the judgment of this leader has come and his time is short. Meaning whatever trouble the world is going through, whatever he's doing, it's just very short. It's not going to last forever. Magtiis lang muna konti. Aguanta. In our language, I like how we say it in Chabacano. Aguanta lang, anay. Aguanta. Endure. It's not going to last long. Three years? That's not much compared to eternity. Even seven years? Not much compared to eternity. Because his judgment is about to come. His time is short. Meaning the sufferings that believers are going to experience during the time is short-lived. Very short. Endure. So let's move on. Verse 8. The next thing we find out is that 
the judgment of the Antichrist is revealed. Remember, I said last week that Revelation 14 is a summary of what we're going to find out in the rest of Revelation. So this is like a preview. Kung sa movie pa to, sa movie, parang trailer, trailer to. This is a trailer of the succeeding passages of Revelation. So the next thing we see here is Antichrist judge. Uh, Revelation 14.8. Another angel, this is the second angel in, the, in John's vision. Followed saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She who made all nations drink the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. So remember, that this Antichrist is in control of the political, commercial, religious empire. And this is the first time this is mentioned in Revelation. You're going to see this more and more like in the succeeding chapters. But this is the first time it's called, his empire is called Babylon the Great. Babylon the Great. And we're going to talk more about this in the, I, I will not discuss it in detail right now because there's more to this. We don't have time for, to discuss the details. But it says here that it is fallen, fallen. That means that it's going to be destroyed by God. And this is certain. This is most certain. The empire of this Antichrist is going to be destroyed by God. And it says here, all nations will drink the wine of the passion of his immorality, sexual immorality. If you've read the Old Testament, if you've read portions of the New Testament, you know that sexual immorality in the Bible is always compared with idolatry. The worship, worship of idols. When, you, when, when someone worships idols... And, and, and does not worship God, but something else, it is adultery in the eyes of God. You are committing adultery or immorality. And this passage tells us that the nations are drunk with this false religion of the Antichrist. You know, uh, one of our brothers here uh, mentioned to me that he went to a church where the pastor was... Of course, it was a process. Go to the church, and, and the pastor was, was, you know, encouraging the church to give to the church, give money to the church, and, and you see this all over the world with prosperity preachers. They will encourage people to give to the church, give money to the church, and they promise things like, you're going to have a breakthrough. You're going to have promotion in your job. That's a common word you hear from them. You're going to get your promotion that you deserve. The promotion that you've been longing for for a long time. The breakthrough that you've been waiting for. You're going to get it. Just give to, you know, to our church building fund. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> you know, you see this. And they will, they will say, you know, there's, you're going to receive blessing of health. You know, when they talk about blessing, most of the time it's money. It's material possession. Even some pastors, they would flaunt their, their Lamborghini or something, their expensive cars to tell their members, yay, I'm, I'm blessed because I've been a pa I'm a pastor. I'm blessed by God. I have my own Lamborghini, you know, 250K car. <laughs> I don't even, my car is 17 years old already and it's, a, it's, it's nearly dead. No, no it's not. <laughs> not as, I tried to make it live a little bit. But I had to spend a lot of money. <laughs> it's been leaking all over the place. Now it's no leaks. Good. After $3,500. No leaks. <laughs> um, but but what, what that person told me is that 
the people there who listen to this pastor, you know, and many of them are, are poor or in poverty or struggling, and the pastor is very rich. And, and, and the thing is, you know, him being a member of the church before, he says, this, this is a scam. <laughs> but the thing is, the people here, they're willing to be scammed. They know this is a scam, right? Give your seed money. I think who's very good at this, yeah. <laughs> Clay always says this, give your seed money. It's going to be multiplied a thousand times. But you know that's a scam. But people still buy into it. And this is what the Antichrist will do. He will promise, you know, earthly wealth, comfort, pleasure, blessing, earthly prosperity. And people are going to give to the Antichrist, give their pledge of allegiance to the Antichrist. Nations are going to give their pledge of allegiance. But as if they're not really thinking, they're not using their minds. As if they are drunk. Parang lasing. Just like to say, okay, I'm going to give it to you, pastor. It's like being drunk. And this is what the nations are doing. The Antichrist is promising a lot of things. And the nations just said, okay, we're going to give to you whatever you need. But you notice, both prosperity teachings and what is being promoted by the Antichrist, it centers on earthly blessing, earthly material things, financial rewards, earthly rewards. There's nothing there spiritual. No spiritual rewards there. You notice that the religion he is promoting, when you begin to promote, tell people you're going to be promoted, you're going to have more money, you're going to have good health, everything's going to be good for you, you're, gonna, you're not going to have a problem. You know what that kind of thinking is? That's self-centered. That's a self-centered thinking. It's centered, centered on yourself. It's not about other people. You're going to ask God for more money, then you're going to give it to someone else. Uh, I don't know. That, that's not happening often. Right? You're going to buy a house. You're going to buy a nice car. Of course, some people are very generous and they will give to the church building fund $1 million. So that's, those are special cases, right? <laughs> special cases. I'm not going to promise that your, your money is going to multiply. It's up to God to bless you. Shabahala. I'm not going to say anything or else you're going to kick me out from here. But you know that mindset of being self-centered, where does it come from? You know, that kind of religion. Did you know that that was the philosophy, the mindset of the Babylonian religion and the Babylonian culture, which started in the Tower of Babel. Babel. Babel or Babel? <laughs> Genesis 11.4. This is what the builders of the tower said to themselves. It was, Nimrod was their leader. He was the first leader of Babylon, which it was not an empire back then. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower on its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves. Let us disperse over the face of the whole earth unless we disperse over the face of the whole earth. You notice the frequency of the word ourselves. Says, let us make a name for ourselves. This is the heart behind Babylon. Self. Self. Let's move on. Unbelievers judge. The next angel, 
And this passage only tells us about uh, the Antichrist uh, being judged eventually, but also unbelievers being judged. Let's move on to verse, uh, where are we now? Verse 9 to 11. Another angel, a third, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and its image and receives a mark on his forehead or on, its, on his hand, so these are the unbelievers, these are people who followed Antichrist, he, will, he also will drink the wine of God's wrath, so God's judgment, God's anger, God's wrath will be upon that person who takes the mark. Look at that. Poured full strength into the, into the cup of his anger. And he will be tormented with, the, with fire and sulfur in the presence of his holy angels and the presence of the Lamb. We, ha we have a very wrong idea of hell. It's not Satan who's going to look at these people burning in hell. It's not Satan who's going to, he's one of those who's going to be there. It's the angels and Jesus. They're going to be there. The presence of the Lamb in presence of the holy angels that these people who rejected Christ are going to be punished, going to be judged. The wrath of God against those who don't believe Him. You know... For many, for some, not all of you, not many of you, but I think some of you might be thinking, you know, God seems to be unloving here. How can such a good God do such a thing as this? I want you to, want you to change your thinking here. Do not judge God for being unloving, uncaring for doing this. Remember the gospel until the last second of the tribulation is still being preached. Which means the way for salvation through Jesus Christ, your way to be able to escape this is still open. It's still open to anyone who will enter. Amen? Still open. Even at the last moment of the tribulation, the way to be saved from this is still there. God is still opening his, the doors to eternal life through Jesus Christ. And so the, you cannot blame God. You cannot judge God for being unloving. He has been loving all this time. He kept this door open. But it is people who continues to reject his offer of salvation. It is people who always continues to reject the door to eternal life, which is, which is Jesus Christ. Last there's verse 11. Let's continue this. And, and the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest. Think about that. People in that place of eternal fire, they have no rest day and night for all eternity. This worshipers of the beast and its image, image and, and whoever uh, receives the mark of his name, of its name. So during the time, if you take the mark, then it's over for you. It's over for you. Now, we've gone to this verse. Let's go to the last one. Um, in 12 to 13, we, are, we see that believers are going to be rewarded. Believers are going to be rewarded. Believers rewarded. Verse 12, here is a call for the endurance of the saints. 
This keeps the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus Christ. So who are the saints? Who are the believers in Christ? You know, if you've been to a different kind of mindset, stop thinking about saints being special people that you pray to. Who are the saints? All of you. You are all the saints. We have Saint, Saint Rowelyn, Saint Arlene, Saint Al, Saint, not Saint Elmo, Saint Al. <laughs> uh, uh, and, and it says here that who are the saints? These are people who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus Christ. So if you have faith in Jesus Christ, you are a saint. Amen? And it says here, and I heard a voice from, from heaven saying, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds will follow them. So, the preaching of the word continues until the tribulation. Which means there will, there will be many people that will be saved during that period. However, there will also be many people that will be martyred and they will die for their faith during the time. And we read about this, I said earlier, that we read about this in, John, in Revelation 6 where all the souls of those who were martyred are standing in the presence of God. And in, the, in this situation, they're being martyred, they're being, uh, uh, being persecuted, denied of basic necessities in life. They are struggling. They're having a difficult, difficult time. The believers in Christ. Jesus commands them, calls them through this angel to patiently endure the cruelty of the beast, beast the cruelty of the Antichrist. Patiently endure even to the point of death. Uh, remember what Paul said in, in, in 2 Timothy 4, 7. He says, this is a command for them, but this is also a command for, we can use this for the tribulation saints. It's also for us. We can be like Paul as well. I hope that we can be like Paul in this way. I have, good, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I pray that we, in the midst of tribulation and difficulty, even challenging, challenges to your faith, we fight the good fight. We finish the race. We keep the faith. Give the faith. And a voice was heard in heaven. I believe this voice comes from Jesus because it was Jesus who told John, write all these things. So this is, this is Jesus telling John, blessed are the dead who will die in the Lord from now on. There's more to this, but let's just stay there. That passage, this verse and the prior, passage, prior statements tells us that believers are to endure because there is great blessing in eternity. Believers are to endure because you're going to find rest in eternity. Believers are to endure hardship and trials because your deeds will follow you. That statement, your deeds will follow you, the last part of that uh, passage here, for their deeds, follow them, simply means that, that the believers, those who endure and believers in Christ in general, they will be richly rewarded you will be richly rewarded for everything that you've done for christ every single prayer you do every good work you've accomplished every time you shared your faith preach the gospel serve the church serve other people serve christ each of us that those things there is a reward for those everything that you've done for christ will be noticed by god 
if, if God notices, sees every sin, and, and unbelievers are going to give account everything that they've done in sin, believers are, are, are going to be blessed with everything that you've done for Christ. Down to the smallest detail. Listen to what Paul says again, continuing with that verse. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I have, um, where's that? Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but all who have love is appearing. All of you love the appearing of Jesus Christ. We all long for the appearing, and we will be richly rewarded as well. You know, the, the world would say, your best life is now, eat, drink, and be merry. That's what the world would say. This is the best life. This is the best thing that's ever happened to you. Life on earth. Eat, drink, and be merry. That's what Satan is saying. That's what the world is saying. But you know what, 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 what this passage in Revelation 14 tells us? The best is yet to come. Live a blameless life, obey the Lord, stand firm in your faith, hold fast to the teachings of Christ, endure hardship and suffering, and you will be richly rewarded by God. This is not the best thing that's ever happened to you. The world, whatever you're experiencing right now, it's not. We are just passing through. We are sojourners. We are just on a, on a train right now on the way to our destination. This is really what's life, what life on earth is. Our final destination, our home, is in the very presence of God in eternity. Amen. That's our home. That's where we, that's, that's, the Bible says we are the citizens of where? Of heaven. Amen. We are citizens of heaven. Now let me give you the application in closing and, and I hope this will speak to, the, to our young people as well. And I pray that you will not uh, be angry at me for saying all these things. You know, I had my bad experiences in college. <laughs> Learn from those things, and, they, I, I, and truthfully, I don't want to say that word truthfully. I know people use that a lot, but I'm just going to say I have some regrets and things that I've done in the past, and regrets that sometimes still affects me until today. But let us always keep this in mind. Pursue what brings eternal reward. Flee what brings regret. If there's something you know has a hint, I'm going to regret him. I'm going to do this. Don't do it. <laughs> and pursue what has eternal reward. Live, first thing for our young people, for our graduates, make it your aim to live holy and blameless lives. Make it your aim. Live holy and blameless lives. You know, like the 144,000 who, who are model citizens of God's kingdom kept themselves pure. They did not, they did not let sin wreck their mortal body. They did what pleases God. And you know that when you do things that pleases God, it is worship. Amen? That's why when you sing songs of worship, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, but your life is not pleasing to God, you are a hypocrite. Even if you sing for the whole day, but you still live with unrepentant, unconfessed sin, you are a hypocrite. Because worship is really your life, not just the words you say with your mouth, not just the song you sing. It is your life. It is your person. It's, it's who you are. That's why before you sing worship songs to God, make sure all your sins are confessed. Any sin that you still hold on to your heart, 
Repent of that. Turn away from it. Make every effort not to do it again. And what you'll notice in this passage, uh, when we were talking about the 144,000 uh, 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 Jewish evangelists last week, what's interesting is they are described as someone who did not give in to sexual sins. It's interesting. Why is it specifically mentioned, talking about sexual sins? And I believe this is the greatest trap and hindrance during the time of tribulation. This is the trap Satan will use to, de to trap, deceive, hinder people, sexual sins. And I believe this is also big in our generation. This is one of the biggest in our generation. Today, young people, they profess to be Christians, but they don't hesitate to commit the sin of fornication. They just said, I'm going to live with you together. I'm going to live with this person. And they're going to do what, they, what you call a trial marriage. But in reality, did you know that people who do that, uh, the thing called trial marriage, is just live in together unmarried. There's no blessing from God there. God is not going to bless that relationship. So young people here, don't ever get into that situation. Not only that your parents are going to be angry at you, but you're not going to be blessed by God. Not at all. And some people think that living together before marriage will make my marriage better. That's a lie. Did you know statistically, the chances for a marriage to fail gets very high if the person, two people live together before marriage. The probability for a marriage to fail eventually is high. If they live together. Why is that? Why do you think it's that way? Because sin, there's always a consequence. There's always a consequence for sin. Always. Sin always brings regret. And forget that. When you commit a sin, even how small it is, how big it is, there is a consequence. Might not be obvious. Might be small. But there is always a consequence. Think of sin as one day you're walking and enjoying life and you hurt yourself with a, with a blade or, or, or maybe you, you had something hit you and you got a wound. Now, if you keep on doing that, you're going to have lots of scars on your body. And those scars, they remain sometimes. Skin, sin is like, you keep, as I, I'm talking to believers here, it scars you. It keeps on scarring you if you keep on committing it. So... I don't want you to be in that situation. And I, want, I don't want our youth here to have regrets in life. Big regrets because of wrong choices they made when they were younger. And did you know that while people in hell regret for, what, for not, follow, not obeying Christ, not believing in Jesus, did you know that there's also regrets in heaven? I know we always think of heaven as joyful, yes. But did you know there are, there's also regret, people who regret, uh, who have some regrets or some frustrations when they're in heaven? How do I know? Remember when Jesus gives the rewards and everything you do in this life will be tested by fire in heaven? And if you, what you've done is silver and gold, meaning it's worthy in the eyes of God, it will pass. Praise the Lord. I will get my reward. But if you, what you've done in life is clay, it's wood, and it's stone, it's going to burn in the fire, you're going to cry. Because you're going to find out in heaven, you're not going to get anything from Christ. Because you wasted your, your life 
as a Christian. You're, you're probably Christian, and you, but you just watch TV all day. Maybe. <laughs> I'm sorry. Not, not to... But I'm just... That's just... That's the only example I can think of. <laughs> when you're not, you didn't serve God. You didn't give your life. You didn't do anything for Christ. You didn't share your faith. You're not reading your Bible. You're not praying. But yes, you are saved. That's why I always, we always... I say, Luis, I was talking to Luis about this. Yes, you're in heaven. But God's gonna, Jesus is going to say, okay, uh, uh, I'm just going to give you a doghouse. Is that good? <laughs> oh, your brother is going to have a mansion, but doghouse. Okay? You're good? <laughs> yes, you're in heaven. No problem. <laughs> doghouse. Um, someone said, living a pure and blameless life, especially... In your relationship with the opposite sex, it's not merely avoiding sin. I know some kids might say, uh, I just want, I'm going to just avoid sin. No. It is waiting for the best to come. Remember, your body is not yours, and it is meant for the right person that God has given to you. Are you going to waste that body on someone else that doesn't really care for you? Or raise it with a random guy somewhere that you, you're, you're not sure if he's going to be the, your husband? Your body, your heart is for your husband. That's why I truly believe you only need to have one relationship, ideally and right way, one boyfriend for the and that will be because and that will be the guy who will become your husband or your wife. You know. Not having any the idea of having multiple relationships, I think that's not a good thing. I don't think that's a good thing. Will just lead to temptation and sin. And you know, when, when, when you live in sin, it's like cholesterol clogging the brain, clogging the brain, not the brain, the arteries, <laughs> maybe the brain as well. It clogs up the flow of God's blessing upon your life and your ministry. You know, when you live a holy and blameless life, what happens, God will just open doors of opportunities for you. You now have, you're now begin, since you are now holy and honorable, blessed vessel before God. Every area in your life will be, will be blessed by God because now He can work through you. He can work through your life. You're a clean vessel. But if you're living in sin, you know, you will not see blessing in your, in your school. You will not see blessing in your family. You will not see blessing in your job. You will not see blessing in every area of your life because God is cannot work through you because you are a dirty vessel. Secondly, another thing, uh, uh, let me just go to this too, last too quickly. Advice to our young people here is fear, fear God rather than man. Citizens of God's kingdom fears God rather than man. It is the right Even if what you're about to do has a high chance of failure. Amen? Do it. Not because of any fear. Just do it because you know it's the right thing. It is God's will. If the, even if the chance of failure is high, do it. Even if there's strong opposition, if you know this is God's will, do it. Fear God rather than man. I, I, I like what Babe Ruth said. I have this in my bed uh, office now. Uh, this saying here, never let the fear of striking, striking out get in your way. Never let the fear of striking out get in your way. We are called to endure hardship, endure trials. You know, when, pe when students at school, when people ridicule your faith, stand on your faith, defend your faith. 
you know, if they think they're really smart and you, are, you feel you're outsmarted, don't worry. They're not going to last long. <laughs> they're going to end in the grave. So don't worry, okay? If you're going to argue with me for the rest of your life, that's okay. How many, 80 years? Yeah, not much. Or maybe you're just, you're just going to live to 30. Okay, I can wait for that. <laughs> you get the point, right? Whatever arguments the world has against us, it's not going to last. Charles Darwin is dead for a long time. Einstein has been dead for a long time. I mean, don't worry. Pursue your goals. Don't let fear also hinder you from doing that. If you know it's the will of God, you know. You know, one of the things I... I'm sorry, I'm out of time. I want to share an experience as a kid. You know, for me, I don't know if you're like me, but for me, I like the easy way out. In, in high school... I would do the easiest. I, don't, I didn't study in high school. I didn't study in grade school. So I survived high school and elementary without studying. Praise God, I graduated. <laughs> and my mom accused me one day. I remember this. I was in the, in the outside uh, in our patio sitting. And my mom suddenly told me, Al, uh, you, you always uh, take, I'm trying to say, she said it very well, but I'm trying to remember it exactly. You always take the path of the least resistance or something like that. Al, you always take the path of the least, of least resistance. But my mom, you know, my mom, is, she's very smart. <laughs> that, that really hit me hard. You always take the least resistance. You don't try to do the hard things. You just do the easy things. And you know what happened when someone told me, Al, you have to go to Manila. I didn't want to go work there because I'm going to be away from my home. I'm so comfortable, Samwanga. I got a job, I was a teacher, living with my parents, serving in the church, in the youth ministry. Uh, Jen was one of our youths there back then. Anne was with me as well. I said, I don't want to leave this situation. This is really good. And God gave us a big problem as a family. I had to go to Manila. So that was a hard decision, leaving home on my own. But, you know, since that time, I, I try my best to go to the path of, least resist, of greatest resistance. So, so I would fight against that. I, I hate airplanes. I get panic attack in airplanes. I, would, I was always in airplanes during those years. So, okay, I'm doing this. <laughs> Greatest resistance. <laughs> then moving to the U.S. as well. Uh, it was not part of our plan, but we took the path of the least resistance as well. So sometimes God's will is hard. <laughs> it's not going to be an easy road ahead of you. But if it's the right thing to do, don't let fear hinder you. And lastly, obey the Lord Jesus Christ. So young people who are going to graduate, when you're in your school, wherever you are, find a church. First of all, find a church to commit to. Find a group of believers that you, that you can be part of. Like, you know, a small group or a, or a campus ministry. Amen? I hope you'll do that. Of course, faithful in your time with the Word of God. Faithful in your time in prayer. Amen? And wait for the right time. Don't go ahead of God's plan when it comes to relationships. Make sure that the person is really God's, God's will. Talk to your mom and dad. Talk to me. We're going we're gonna to make an assessment, like a three-day assessment. <laughs> you know, put him in a room. Interrogate that person. If he passes, then okay, pasado. Okay. <laughs> right? I think that's a good plan, right? Especially the women here, the girls here. <laughs> yes.
uh, Clay is gonna do the interrogation. I'm gonna be the bad cop. You're gonna be the good cop, right? <laughs> Perfect for a good cop. Something. <laughs> Amen. But but obey the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what I mean. Amen. Amen. Let's pray, and we're gonna recognize our graduates. Lord, thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you for the encouragement that comes through revelation, Lord God. Lord, sometimes, oh God, we, I wonder, Lord, what this book can teach us, oh God, in, in our practical day-to-day -day lives. But I'm amazed, oh God, that you show things that can be directly applied with our day-to-day -day experience. Even such a book that is very challenging, Lord, that talks about prophecy in the future, Lord. But it really applies to our time, to our generation, Lord God. Lord, whatever said today, Lord, Lord, may this be engraved in our hearts. Oh God, that we will pursue things. Lord God, that honor you, that glorify you, Lord, that has eternal blessing and rewards, oh God. That we will invest, make our investments, oh God, not on earthly things, but Lord, on heavenly things, oh God. Investments for eternity, oh God. Let this be the kind of mindset we have every moment, every day, that we'll do things that has an investment for eternity. And Lord, we pray also, Lord God, that we'll flee, we'll run away from things, oh God, that can bring earthly regret and as well as eternal regret, oh God. We want to be fully experiencing the joy and blessing to be with you for all eternity and all the rewards you promised, the crown of righteousness, the crown of life. We want all those things, Lord. And I pray that, that we will make every effort, O oh God, to live the life you called us to live, holy, pleasing, blameless before you, Lord, obedient to you, Lord Jesus, fearing you alone, Lord God, and not man, not what man can do to us, not what man can say to us, what the intimidation the world can, brings. We will not fear that, Lord. For, Lord, whatever the world brings, it's temporary because your word remains for all eternity. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen.